0: The Daily Tap is live for Wednesday. We will talk about Packer hot takes from each game this season. Do not freak out about Julio Jones joining the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Brewers keep winning, and what might a 16-team college football playoff look like? All that today. Uh, make sure that you're following along on social media: tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. Uh, also on Facebook for those who are old and listening, but we love our old people. Uh, Also, uh, make sure that you are subscribing. Uh, Make sure that you're leaving a review. Make sure you're leaving a rating. Uh, We appreciate all of that. Um, It means a lot. Helps us get a little more notoriety. Make sure you're sharing with your friends. I mentioned that I'm going to be on a bachelor party this weekend. So no show Friday, by the way. Um, and I probably will subscribe everybody to the podcast or ask that everybody subscribes to the podcast. Maybe like I offer to pay drinks or something and be like a, like a, like a quid pro quo thing or something like that. Get people, uh, paying for the pod, but regard or <laughs> people subscribing by me paid for the pod. But anyways, uh, it should be a fun show today. Uh, we'll be on with Mitch tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. Um, and then, yeah, we'll be back Monday, and I'm sure I will be not in great shape, but that's okay. Um, that I do it for the people. All right, let's talk about Packer Hot Takes. So Aaron Rodgers showed up uh, looking like Con Air. He looks ready to go. Um, it was definitely a social media phenomenon. It does seem like anything Aaron Rodgers does, we go crazy. We just absolutely lose our mind. Um, it has gotten to that point um, he is at pure rock star level. Um, I don't know if that this is where Rodgers was four years ago, five years ago, I think. Maybe he was always there, but the increased sort of social media content creation world, I think, leads to more of it. So thinking through that and knowing that every game will have some takes, I wanted to run through the schedule and think through what would be the sort of hot take coming from each of these games. Now, there will be an assumption that the Packers win or the Packers lose, um, both, we'll do both sides of the coin. Um, and it's not to say that I think the Packers are gonna lose every game, it's not to say that I think the Packers are gonna win every game, but it's basically what I think about the other teams as well as what I could see happening in each of these games. So we start with Minnesota week one. I think if the Packers do win this game, I think there will be a lot made about the defense. I think the defense will be the headline of this because the Minnesota Vikings do have a very potent offense. They have an offense that is getting hyped up a lot. So if they shut them down, if they have a big game, if Kirk Cousins throws three interceptions, if Justin Jefferson gets in clamps by Jair Alexander or Eric Stokes, I think that will be the storyline. I think that would be the big deal. And on the other side of it, in terms of the bad takes, I think if the Packers were to lose, I think there would be some frustration with the offense that the offense could not keep up with the Minnesota Vikings. I also think that there would be criticism on the defense that this defense was overrated from the start that we hyped this defense up and they didn't live up to the potential. People will be ready to basically throw the baby out the bathwater, forgetting exactly that the Packers got absolutely shit pumped in week one last year and came back to be an awesome football team all season. Week two against the Bears, obviously if you win, it's just the dominance continues, right? It's just that the Packers continue to look good against Chicago, look good against their rival. You could argue, is it a rivalry, isn't a rivalry? because right now it's been as lopsided as it's ever been. Really, maybe since the 80s, where the Bears would dominate the Packers. Um, if they were to lose, it's complete embarrassment. I, I think straight up, you lose your home opener to to your rival, to your rival that is not going to be good this year. I think that would be a very embarrassing thing for the, the Green Bay Packers. And I, I guess I'll add this both to the Minnesota and the Chicago games. You're catching these teams when they do not have you know, their sort of new structure set up. It takes time to sort of get into it with new coaches, whether it be Kevin O'Connell for Minnesota or Matt Eberflus for Chicago, those take time. That's not something that's just gonna be ready to go. So losing those games when these teams aren't fully sort of cohesive, it makes it even worse. So I, I think that adds to it. I'm not saying that the Packers need to be 2-0, and but I'm just saying there are more variables to increase Green Bay's you know win win loss that they should win those games they that adds a little more to it in my opinion Tampa Bay um, if the Packers were to win Brady or Rogers finally gets over Brady is this sort of the start of it for Rogers is is the Brady era over? Like there would be a lot of takes around Rodgers, Brady, no matter what happens. Even though those guys say, well, we don't play against each other. It doesn't mean as much. Trust me, that would be the big deal. Um, and I think there would be a lot of hype around Aaron Rodgers. Could Aaron Rodgers win his third straight MVP? All that stuff. If they were to lose, I think it would be the Packers can't figure out the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That would be the point blank and say, well, the Packers now have lost, you know, three straight times now against Tampa Bay in the Brady era. Um, There would also be the Aaron Rodgers Florida issues. Um, They obviously have to go to Miami later in the year. So does, can Aaron Rodgers not win in hot weather? It'll be humid, it'll be hot. Packers have struggled in Tampa. So there are some demons that live there. It's been, it's never even been easy. I think they, last time they won in Tampa, was 2015 2014 and Rodgers got hurt in that game and he had that calf injury which sort of affected that detroit game where they kind of gutted it out but and people forget this stuff people are like oh aaron Rodgers never play a breath barbos it's like dude aaron has played through a lot of injuries um so we'll see what happens in that one let's move on to new england that will be the second home game for the packers if they win i think it's just that they keep you know it's business as usual. It's a team you should win. It's a team that you should take care of business against. Matt LaFleur, you know, overcomes Bill Belichick and his defense. I think that would probably be the major sort of thing that would stand out. It would be more the coaching, maybe a little bit passing the torch, if you will. Could LaFleur be at the level of Bill Belichick? I think that would, again, these are hot takes, right? These aren't just, this is like stuff I'd see on first take, not necessarily how I feel, but I think there would be a lot of that. I think the Packer defense would have something to say about, you know, frustrating a young Mac Jones, Mac Jones of the well, Justin Fields, right? Too. So it would be Justin Fields and Mac Jones as the young quarterbacks that the Packers face in the first four games. If they were to lose, I think it would be a lot of that. Lafleur couldn't figure out Belichick. Belichick was able to frustrate Aaron Rodgers. Um, you'd also have maybe the defense struggles against this new look Patriots offense um, with led by who knows, it might be Joe Judge, it might be Matt Patricia, I'm not quite sure at this point. Um, So I think that would be more of the story. And it's not a game that I think the Packers should lose, I'll put it that way. I don't think this is one that Green Bay should lose. Then they go to London to play the New York Giants. Um, I think right then and there, it's the Packers take care of business. The Packers block out the noise, You know, block out the fact that they were playing in this new venue, everything like that. It doesn't bother Green Bay and they're able to take advantage of it and be the team that they're supposed to. If they were to lose, I think it's Danny Dimes is having this you know, kind of Renaissance year under Brian Dable. Same with Saquon Barkley. Giants defense, you know, which was pretty decent last year. They continue their success as well. Um, I'd also say that it's the Packers, you know, can't necessarily adapt to something new. Remember, Green Bay struggled in that Jacksonville where they were displaced because of a hurricane and New Orleans had to play in Jacksonville instead of New Orleans. And that kind of seemed like it threw the Packers off. And would something like this throw Green Bay off? And I think that would happen if the Packers were to lose this game. Coming back to play the Jets, again, similar to the Giants game, it's taking care of business, right? It's, it's doing the things you're supposed to. Frustrating another young quarterback in Zach Wilson, as this will be yet a the third, like, real young quarterback. Like, Dimes, you could consider is in that young quarterback conversation, but they, you know, first three, first six games, three of those are against very young quarterbacks Frustrating Zach Wilson, the Jets defense still has a ways to go. Aaron Rodgers has this massive game, everything like that. If the Packers were to inexplicably lose to the Jets at home, I think the take would be: Green Bay should have had a bye. Green Bay looks tired, Green Bay looks sluggish. They should have took that bye and they should have had the bye week because that would be the main source of conversation locally if Green Bay were to somehow lose to the New York Jets. Then they go to Washington after that and going to Washington, Green Bay, you know, they are able to sort of cure their FedEx field demons. Um, They've not played well there. They've lost a few games there. I can't remember. I think the last time they won there was the playoff game. Uh, It might've been 2000, that was also maybe 2015. Wait, no, was it, no, it wasn't. Was it 2014? No. 2016, 2016. You know, I think that was when it was the Packers beat the Washington Commanders, then the Redskins at that time. And so they've really struggled at FedEx field. So maybe this is the one that gets the Packers over the hump. Um, they sort of let Washington hang around last year um, in a noon start game in Green Bay. So maybe they look a little bit better. They're able to put Terry McLaren in clamps. Went struggles against this Packer defense. Those would kind of be the takes coming out of it. In terms of losing, I think it would be again a fatigue thing, right? I don't expect the Packers to lose to both New York and Washington, but if let's say they were to lose to the Commanders that almost that second set of games sets in, it's almost like when you're hungover and you go out that next night and you're like, all right, like it's fine. Like it it didn't really affect me that much. And then that's the next night And that next thing you're like, oh my God, I wanna fucking die. Like that's almost how I would see like the fatigue of it all when you're playing the Washington Commanders. So if you just take a step back, like you look at that first seven games for the Green Bay Packers, there's a lot of winnable games on, on the table. And if you're looking at sort of a broader take, I think if the Packers are anywhere from undefeated to probably two losses at worst, I think people are pretty happy with how the season has gone so far. I think there will obviously be concerns whether it's the offense can't get going, whether it's the defense isn't as good as we thought it was, whether the special teams still look shaky even with Rich Passaccia, which I kind of doubt, honestly. Uh, I, I think that that would still be a considered a successful start to the season. I do think if the Packers were to lose three games, four games, I think there would be real concerns. I think there would be real, like, are the Packers going to be a Super Bowl contender? Did we overrate the Packers to start the season? What has the loss of Devontae Adams done for this team? Was there a big injury that sort of impacted the Green Bay Packers? And will they be able to come back from that later in the season? That's kind of, thing, I think, where we would be after week number seven, heading into arguably the biggest game of the year by the way i don't know if i'm going to be able to get through the entire slate i'm looking at my time right now i'm at 12 minutes maybe this is part one we can do part two next week um because i'm looking at it i'm like okay we're at 13 minutes already um and we're only through half the schedule and if i did this as a whole podcast i think it would be great but uh we obviously have other things to talk about so why don't we do this as a part one and then part two we will do the second half of the season next week um, for you guys so we'll break that up i probably should have realized that i forget that i fucking talk a lot so i apologize uh for misleading at the open but we will do part one this week and then we will start up again with detroit um the following week and i probably should have done the where the takes are but I do think there will be a lot of focus on the Packers. The reason I stopped after Washington to be like, here's where we are as a reset is because you go into Buffalo, that will be a huge game. That will, There will be a ton of hype around that game, assuming Buffalo's one of the best teams in football. The Packers are one of the best teams in football. The fact that that game is on NBC, middle of the world series, that's there for a reason. They want that game to be a big deal. They want that game to matter. So I think, you know, getting ready for that game, it's probably, I shouldn't even say probably, it is the game for week number eight. I could look really quick, but like that is the game. So, you know, resetting and being like, here's where the Packers are heading into week eight of the season, I think matters. And I think that's where you'll sort of see, you know, everybody talk a lot about the Green Bay Packers just because they have this major primetime game against the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I don't think anything really comes close. You have Niners, Rams, which is a rivalry in itself. And that will be the big Fox game. You have Cincinnati at Cleveland. Maybe you have Deshaun Watson come back. That would be, I think the only thing that would trumpet, right? Would be if you have Deshaun Watson coming back in that in that game. Baltimore-Tampa, I think, is a potential Super Bowl matchup on Thursday night. So maybe that is a minor, um, but I, again, I don't think it's the level of Buffalo-Green Bay. To me, Buffalo-Green Bay is definitely the headline. If the Packers were to win this game, they're anointed as the Super Bowl favorites at that point. I think everybody looks at the Packers and say that says they are the Super Bowl favorite if they have two or less losses if the Packers had struggled to start the season, this would be what turns around Green Bay's year. Is this the thing that turns around the Packer season? Now, I'm working under the assumption that the Packers lose less than two games you know, to start the year. So I, I am working under that assumption. Um, I'm not necessarily working under the, hey, does this turn their season around? But I think there would be, a lot of conversation there. So at, we going forward we'll just be under the assumption that the Packers have lost less than two games that they are still on this the path that we expect them to be. If they were to lose this game, I don't think anybody is that worried about it. I think there'd be some that think well the Packers are on a second tier of the Buffalo Bills, which would be ridiculous, right? You look at this, you see that you're at Buffalo, you see that it's an evening game. Like that is a pseudo scheduled loss. Like I hate to say that, but it's a game where you go in and you don't really have that high of expectations. You, I'm not saying you expect to lose, but I'm also not saying that it is one that you pencil in as a win. Like you look at the Bears game, for example, week two, that's a game you like write in light pencil that you should win that game. Like that, that is not necessarily a game that you should lose. If you lose this one to the Buffalo Bills, nobody is shaking their dick at that. Nobody's looking at that and being like, oh my God, I can't believe the Packers lost. So I think that's where you're at. I would assume that if after week number eight, with eight games played, the Green Bay Packers are either six and two or five and three. And if they're six and two or five and three, I think that is really good. Could I see Green Bay being seven and one? Absolutely. I, I really do. I, I think the Packers' start to their season is actually pretty ideal, idyllic considering they have a lot of things to figure out offensively. I think there's a lot of runway there. I don't think there's a ton of teams I look at and say, wow, they have to deal with that defense. Maybe New England, maybe a little bit of Tampa, right? But I've I always kind of thought Tampa's defense is a touch overrated in my opinion. Um, and then obviously Buffalo. Um, so it's not exactly the Murderers Row. Washington maybe if they come back to life. Remember, they were really bad last year, but they were really good in 2020. So who knows? Maybe the Commanders come back to life, and then that's another defense you have to deal with. But yeah, that's how I see it. Part one. Uh, we will do part two next week, maybe, maybe Wednesday of next week. Um, if I just have to put a date on it, because oh no, maybe Thursday. Uh, I will figure it out i was like i'm going through it i'm probably not going to do it the first day back from boston because my mental capacity won't be there but maybe that second day maybe tuesday um because the deadline will be coming up and we're going to talk about the deadline with mitch by the way so that's why we're not doing it today um and and then so whatever you guys don't care this is all irrelevant i will move on moving on to julio jones so I wanted to just do a quick thing on Julio Jones. I don't really understand why Packer fans are freaking out about Julio Jones. Julio Jones is absolutely fucking washed. Julio Jones can't be more washed than he is. He is not a good player at this point. Like, I hate to say this because I think it's overused, just like, he, you know, that guy has some dog in him or anything like that. But if you thought Julio Jones should have been part of the Green Bay Packers, you don't know ball. Like you really don't. Like Julio Jones has been a declining asset for the last couple of years. The New England Patriots are New England Patriots, obviously with Tom Brady, things like that. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are basically trying to bandage up something. They have a Godwin injury that they have to deal with. Mike Evans is going to be seeing a lot of double teams. Those double teams are not going away. They have to do something about Gronk. They look like a team that's just trying to bring back the old timers and thinking that Tom Brady can revive their career. If anything, I would be worried about that if I was Tampa Bay, that they're not necessarily getting any younger. They're actually getting older and hoping these guys can kind of have a revival. It feels a little bit like the 2004 Lakers, right? Where you added like Carl Malone, you added Gary Payton and you're you're like, okay, we're gonna win a championship with Shaq and Kobe in their final year. Like, ah, I have a lot of questions, man. I do. And I've been thinking that the Buccaneers are a bit overrated. And I'm starting to wonder that more and more as this team comes together. Like, Julio Jones is not going to win them football games. And he has been a declining asset. And so I think Packer fans that wanted Julio are ones that just kind of don't understand things and that just see the name and are like, oh my God, Julio Jones, he's... He's been a great player. Like, we have to have Julio Jones. Like, we are involved in the conversation. Packers, I think, listen to every, basically, idea. I think people use the Packers as leverage a lot. I think that doesn't get talked about enough. I would love... I don't think he would ever do a podcast, and I would probably be, not be the guy. I'd probably have to be Wildy or somebody else. But I would love to hear from Ryan Gunacuse how many people use the Packers as leverage. Like, I, I think it's more than you think. And so, I personally... Do not get the idea of Julio Jones. I think if you were mad about it, I just, like I said, I, I think it's a fundal, fundamental misunderstanding of the A, of the Green Bay Packers, but B, of football in general, because it, Julio Jones has been bad for years. And so to expect the Packers to be involved with that just doesn't make a ton of sense. And I would rather his snaps be received by Randall Cobb, by Christian Watson, by Romeo Dobbs, by... Sammy Watkins, any of those guys, I think I'd rather have than Julio Jones. I realize that Watkins and Watson might not be ready to go to start the season. That's not worth freaking out about. We're going to talk training camp headlines tomorrow with Mitch, but like, I am so fucking sick of Packer Twitter already. And it's like week two. It's like day three. It's like all these people are like losing their shit because this guy can't practice on the first day of training camp. It's like Week one does not start until fucking mid-September, guys. Like, just settle down. Like, we can start worrying about these things in early August. And when I say, early, not even early August, fuck that. In mid-August, because early August is next week. Like, if Watson, if uh, Watkins is not playing by August 10th, yeah, let's fucking worry. David Bakhtiari just posted an Instagram today, like, soon, saying, like, he's going to be out on the field soon. All right, so settle the fuck down. I understand you want football back, but just calm. Just, just take it easy, all right? It's driving me crazy. Uh, I had to get that off my chest. I was going to save that for the podcast, and I, I or save that for Mitch, but I just couldn't. Uh, just, it's been, been an absolute thorn in my ass. All right, as for the Milwaukee Brewers, they keep winning. Um, they are playing very good baseball right now. The Brewers have won four of their last five Uh, since the All-Star break, they're feeling really good post-All-Star break. The offense continues to look really strong for the Milwaukee Brewers. They produced seven runs. Now, granted, the pitching hasn't been that great, but I don't think the Ethan Small thing, well, let's say on the offense, and we'll talk pitching. Um, The offense continues to just be a real bright spot. And I know that has not been the case, but I think as mentioned earlier this week, the Brewers have everybody back finally. Like the Brewers haven't really had a full roster all season. And this is the first time really you're seeing what the Brewers should look like with a full roster. And that is lovely to see. And that is something that is very encouraging. Right now, the Brewers in the last seven games or last seven days, which is since the All-Star break, have had the third highest OPS in baseball right now at 856, that's on base plus slugging. The Brewers are hitting a 282 right now and they have nine home runs collectively as a team. Also 21 walks, they also have 10 doubles. I I think that should be understated. Like they have 51 hits, which actually is not that many. um, If you look at it, Um, they they have not necessarily hit the ball all that well, like in terms of making like their 10th right now in terms of hits post all-star break. But they are, you know, doing it with the home run. And they've been aided by the warm weather at Miller Park for sure with nine home runs. But yeah, things are good right now. They're also at 46 strikeouts, which again, isn't great. But the Milwaukee Brewers are also, well, 46 actually, 12, not terrible, right? You, you'll take that. And so I think we've all seen this offense sort of come to life. And the approach has been a little bit different for the Brewers. And that's been a bright spot. Um, They're sixth right now on average. Um, And you've seen it with guys like Hunter Renfro, who has had four home runs now since the All-Star break. He's been just on an absolute tear. Each Brewers win has featured a Hunter Renfro home run. um, And he just continues to see the ball really well. And he's the type of guy that can can do this now for multiple games on that. Now, a lot of Brewer fans want Hunter Renfro moved up in the order. I understand that. I think McCutcheon has been really nice as a two-hitter, but I almost wonder, would the Brewers benefit from McCutcheon hitting second, Renfro hitting fourth, and Adamas hitting sixth? Now, that's a pretty steep drop for Adamas. And I, I know Adamas has been doing some nice things, but again, and I, I and I, I hate to pick on him, and I think that's partly my Yelich bias, but like again, major moment last night, bases are loaded, Eighth inning, you expect Adamas to come through with a big hit, and he doesn't, right? So I don't know. I don't know what the Brewer, I know Craig Council likes to stack his lineup, but Robbie Telez also is another guy to note. Like, he isn't necessarily looking like a three-hitter. Like, I would really like to see Renfro four, three, McCutcheon four, and then you have Wong fifth. Because Colin Wong also has been really hitting the ball well, right? And could you have Robbie Telez all the way down to seven? Again, that seems like a pretty big fall for him. Luis Urias is another guy that I has been hot. So it's like, do you have Luis Urias a little bit more up in the order? I just think the Brewers should try to tweak some things. But also, I could also see Craig Council looking at it and saying like, all right, yeah, you want me to change the lineup, but we're producing five or more runs in all of our games except for one so far this season, or this second half. So why, why change what's working? I, I would probably be on the side of that. And so I I understand what Brewer fans are saying, but I I don't necessarily think lineup fixes are needed at this point. I think the Brewers, you know, have sort of an assumption that the reason why Renfro maybe is lower in the order is he's gonna have guys on that. McCutcheon's gonna get on, that Wong's gonna get on, and then all of a sudden there's Big Bad Horn Renfro, and he's on, he has a potential of hitting a three-run homer, and all of a sudden it's three-nothing Brewers. So we'll see. Yeah, Corbin Burns in the mound today. Uh, hopefully Burns is a lot better than he was his first start out. Um, and yeah, we'll see if the Brewers make any moves this weekend for the deadline. Um, we'll talk about that with Mitch tomorrow. Um, did a couple scenarios. Uh, for Mitch but yeah I've been very encouraged with the Brewers um it's kind of night and day right from what we saw right after the right before the all-star break and I think some people are like well Charlie you were so seemed like you were out on this team like why are you why are you back in and, and then you know I think with baseball what's what's hard sometimes is when you do a daily podcast you're going to go through the motions I this happens with the bucks too where it's like one week you're ready to just say, fuck this team. And the next week you're like, all right, I love this team. And that's sort of what you go through as a fan through 80 games with basketball or 162 with the Milwaukee Brewers. You're gonna have moments where you're gonna be at the valleys and you're gonna have moments where you're gonna be at the peaks and you just ride it out. I think what I've liked for the Brewers is they're putting together wins. They're not necessarily saying, all right, we win three games against the Rockies and then we lose two. We lose the last game of the Rockies series and we lose the Twins one. And let me be honest, they would have lost that Twins game. That would have been a bad fucking loss for the Brewers because they had more than enough runners on base. The Twins, I think from a pitching perspective, they just aren't there yet. I don't know who's facing Burns today. I didn't look, but they to me are like a pitcher or two away. Like I think the Brewers' bullpen, you know, middle relief needs improved. That Twins' bullpen is not good. And the Brewers didn't exactly take advantage of it. I know Urias walked it off, but they had opportunities to win that game before needing a walk-off. So that there, there is that. Um, you have Chris Archer today. Archer's been just okay. Um, so we'll see what happens there um, with Chris Archer, uh, who did face the Brewers a little bit when he was with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, Archer struggled in his first start, or no, he hasn't pitched since the All-Star break, but he was he was bad and it lost to the White Sox on the day right before the All-Star break. So we'll see what the Brewers can do. They have pretty good numbers against Archer as a team. Uh, they've hit him hard, 12, 12 of 40, 285, not the biggest sample. McCutcheon has some really good numbers against Archer, uh, old teammate of his. I don't know, did they play together at Pittsburgh? I don't know. Colton Long and Yelich also with decent numbers as well. So hopefully the Brewers can get it done. Hopefully they can win another one. You hope with Corbin Burns on the mound that the Brewers win those games. You don't want to piss away those ones. Those are the ones you want to take advantage of. And similarly, take advantage of the fact that St. Louis Cardinals are playing without their guys in Toronto because of COVID, I think that can't be overstated enough. Those are big games and they at least get one. So I, I'm going to be okay with that. Um, we'll see what happens with the Cardinals and Blue Jays tonight. But though that's big for the Brewers and they continue to sort of space themselves out from the Cardinals. Right now, they're three games up on St. Louis. If they can build a little bit of a cushion, I think that would be great. And if the Brewers can push towards that two seed, I don't think that two seed is, Is out of the question. It's certainly it's not easy, right? You're gonna have to go on a pretty big hot streak to get to that two seed. But if there's a chance, that would be great. And the you know, the schedule opens up a little bit here now with Boston and Pittsburgh because Boston is not playing good baseball. They could trade away, guys. There's gonna be maybe some uncertainty over the weekend. And then you get Pittsburgh, who's stumbled out of the gates so far, you know, in the you know, training or post. All star break. Sorry, my brain is everywhere. A little noodly here, but yeah, the Brewers are right now. God, they have a lot of work to do. Yeah, they are six and a half, six and a half games out of that second spot with the Mets. So that's that's a lot of work to do. And the Mets. It's not like the Mets are are like stopped winning right there. And if and if the Brewers even overcome that, they also have to deal with the Braves. So it's almost like a twofer. It's like a oh, what was what was the name of those. Like a two, uh, I can't remember now. Like in wrestling, when you had the one guy facing off against two, um and that would it was not necessarily well. No, it's more like a triple threat match, right? It's the Braves, it's the Mets, and it's the Brewers. And so if you you get by the Braves, you still have the Mets, or if you get by the Mets, you still have the Braves. So that is something the Brewers have to face. But hey. Like The Mariners won 14 straight games and played themselves into the wild card race. And not only that, I think the Mariners at this point would be hosting a wild card game because the rate, no, they're a half game behind uh, the Blue, or no, they're half game up on the Rays. They're one and a half back of the Toronto Blue Jays, who they're trying to host the playoff game, uh, which would be the first time since 2001, which would be nutty for the Seattle Mariners. So we'll see if they're able to accomplish that. But yeah, definitely uh, interesting to say the least for the Brewers, and excited to watch them in person in Boston. So will be game three for me this season. Um, I My record so far, one on one. I saw one really good game where they blew out the Toronto Blue Jays, and I saw one really bad game where they couldn't do anything against the Atlanta Braves. So hoping for the former, not the latter. All right. I wanted to talk about the college football playoff, but this is gonna take a lot. So I a a lot of misinformation to start the show. I'm kind of running on a tighter schedule, um, not planned. So I apologize for that. I wanna get the podcast up. I wanna get over to my local gym. So we won't talk about the college football playoff and the 16 team proposal. Save that for next week. Maybe we'll do that on Monday. Um, just see what that would have looked like last season. Um, I think it's fascinating to say the least. All right, take care of yourself. Have a great day, and we will talk to you on Monday. Or no, I'll talk to you tomorrow with Mitch, and then we'll talk to you Monday on The Daily Tap. All right, take care, guys. Have a good one. We'll see you. Bye.